0: The Big Fight Weekend podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows is brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use the promo code SGP when you sign up to turn $4 into $256 if the college basketball underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. That code SGP turns $4 into $256 if your doggie wins for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. We're also brought to you in part by BetQL. Your bracket may bust, but your bankroll never has to with BetQL. Use the promo code MARCH30 for 30% off your entire year of BetQL. That's the BetQL promo code MARCH30. And we're brought to you by OddsCrowd. Are you the best college hoop better in the country? OddsCrowd is challenging you to prove it with their free March Madness fantasy betting contest, with over $8,000 in cash prizes. Download their app today, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash odds. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home to free daily video picks from the SGPN. It's like YouTube for sports gambling. And make sure that you subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And we're also brought to you in part by PicksWise. Follow the PicksWise Capper Contest at pickwise.com for free picks and analysis throughout the tournament from the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadeau, and more. See which expert is trending hot as they battle it out for a winner-take-all $10,000 prize. It's over at Pixwise.com. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Ring the bell indeed. We are ready to go with another edition of our boxing podcast, the sweet science, the fistic art. You have some fights for this weekend. I am merely the somewhat capable host up front. Listen, I am ADD right now. I am all over the place with many different screens. We fully understand March Madness in full swing. If you're in the United States, you know all about the college basketball and all about the game so much so that both ESPN top rank and PBC on Fox fully understand like the freight train coming on the tracks, get out of the way with this going on. Now the good news is the DAZN streaming service does have a fight card for this weekend and for top rank and ESPN plus, et cetera, uh, they are going to have a light heavyweight title fight out of Russia for this weekend that we'll be talking about. But for the most part, we get it. March madness all over the place, but still we are obligated. We are Uh, understanding of our role of our part here, which is to talk lots and lots about boxing every week. So we're going to give you that. We're going to give you a fix for the weekend and tell you about the fights. And we got some news that's going on this weekend, including the death of a legend an unexpected death. At the time that we taped the podcast last week, we were talking about Marvin Hagler in the ring, marvelous Marvin Hagler. And then unfortunately Hagler has died and there's still some mystery as to what happened more on that in a couple of moments with special guests that I'm about to introduce. Before we get to that, a reminder, however you found us, social media link through the sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Our friends, our allies there, their network of shows. Subscribe. Subscribe away on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe to the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Typically, we come your way on Friday in the preview mode. If it's a big enough event, a big enough fight, we'll come back with a recap show. But typically, on Fridays, You uh, will get the show uh, when it comes out. And obviously, if you're subscribed, you get an automatic notification ding right to you on the phone, on the iPad, et cetera. So uh, subscribe, rate us, review us, et cetera. There you go under Big Fight Weekend. And as always, follow us on social media at Big Fight Weekend and the Facebook page, Big Fight Weekend. All of that is out of the way. Time to bring on special guests. Uh, our, Our man, the senior writer, the insider, he is once again in the red corner, et cetera, Marquise John's a big fight we, and he disappeared on me so we'll have to make an edit. Just to, that big build up of Carlos and he's gone. So obviously his hamster in the wheel is no good. So we'll wait for him to reappear and then I'll intro him again, but uh yeah, we, this rarely happens but we'll see what happens here. Maybe it's his internet. Uh hopefully that was good for you because so far you're doing yeah, no, um,
1: yeah, no, was Yeah, no, that was really really good. Um yeah, uh god, I really really hope Ohio, my, Ohio State. Now that I'm living in Ohio, I'm hoping that Ohio State finally does well in the NCAA tournament. I think you might. Be my right. God, they have long They've overdue for an actual some. good
0: run. They've underachieved. Mm-hmm. And they're excited all over the place. They're excited in Alabama. They're excited in Spokane, Washington. It grips the whole country. But the neat thing about this, and I keep telling everybody, and I don't know about your stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and I know you're from Puerto Rico. This is worldwide what we're doing. Mm-hmm. They care about this in Europe. They care about this in South America. They care about this in the Far East. They care about this in Australia. We get readers, Carlos, and we get listens all over the place, all over the world. So as much as we love the basketball, let's
1: see if the hamster in the wheel internet's doing better for
0: Marquise here. He's supposed yeah, to be I, re- yeah
1: uh, I remember back in Puerto Rico in middle school, I was filling out brackets left and right. There you go. <laughs> so, That's yeah. a way to be.
0: Weak sauce, you got us. I am here now. Do I sound better now? Tell that tell that hamster to you know get a move Brutal. on. Brutal.
2: I heard the open, I heard what the was... entire opening. Then, 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 I kid not TJ. it. said, uh, let's go to my senior writer. Then the, the zoom crashed.
1: Yeah, and then yeah, and, and Marky just pulled yeah. us in F A Curtis Harper on us. So now straight up.
0: Okay, so now but now you're pixelating on the video like you're a bad UHF channel from the nineteen eighties, like you're channel fifty seven. Yeah, try again.
1: See if right you're now. coming back on. There you go. You're there we there better. we go. Now now we can see your forehead. Before, beforehand, we, we it almost felt like we were seeing an x-ray of your <laughs> oh. head.
2: Oh, I was T-1000? Okay. Oh, that's awesome. All right, all right, so
1: here we go. I'm going to do the intro for you.
0: You say hello. I'm going to do the intro for Carlos and say hello, and we'll be off and running. All right? Here we all go. Right. Three, two. With all of that out of the way, let's welcome in the senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. Out of the red corner, shadow boxing, ready to go for another weekend. He is Marquise Johns. Weak sauce. How are you feeling?
2: Pretty good, TJ. March Madness. I hope uh, you didn't have your parents pick your uh, college bracket for you because that's always a good sign that you may lose.
0: Well, what what I often know, though, is the less you know about this, the more dangerous you are, whether we're talking about the secretaries in the office, whether we're talking about animals at the zoo that pick based on colors and different food groups, whatever it is, they seem to do better than all of us. And we have a special guest uh, as we bring it back into boxing, Carlos Toro is here. Uh, Carlos did so well last time that we decided, you know what, we need to bring him back on the podcast. He said, "I don't know what I what I did to deserve a follow up phone call." I said, "You did too good
1: a job. If you didn't want to come back, Carlos Toro, good to have you on the Big Fight
0: Weekend podcast."
1: Believe me, I love coming on here. I was just surprised that I got the I got the call to to the big leagues for a second time.
0: Yeah, absolutely, to to help break all of this down. So, we got plenty to discuss of the news variety. Uh, We got fights to preview as well. Let's begin, as I mentioned, with the unexpected death of marvelous Marvin Hagler, Hall of Fame fighter, arguably one of the top two or three middleweights of the 20th century in boxing, the most menacing fighter, certainly, besides Mike Tyson, maybe in the 1980s. This is certainly the most menacing middleweight, maybe in about the last 50 years, with what Hagler was able to do. Dies unexpectedly at the age of 66 last weekend. Marquise, we had just talked about the 35th anniversary of his win over John the Beast Mugabe on last week's podcast. And the 35th anniversary was midweek last week and Marvin Hagler suddenly uh, gone. And the mystery surrounding what really happened here continues. And it's really gone quiet, Marquise, as to is it COVID-19 Was it heart failure? Was it something brought on by COVID-19? We don't know right now with the legend. What are your thoughts, just real quick?
2: No, TJ, it's sad that he passed away, and it's a a very unfortunate event. And ironically, when we were just talking on the last podcast about the fight itself with him against Mugabe, which was amazing. But the fact that we don't know what really happened to him and just say he's just gone is absolutely insane to me. Like, if you were to tell me, TJ, like, in this day and age with all the technology we have going on, et cetera, et cetera, we don't have a cause of death or a reason from any of this yet. The only thing we have is conspiracy theories and a re- result of death that kind of went Jimmy Hoffa silent at this point, TJ, because we have no explanation of what happened, who had happened, was it vaccine, was it not, and we, we have nothing to follow up with.
0: And we should clear up a couple of things, and I want to get Carlos Toro's thoughts on this. Thomas Hearns, the man that he fought the legendary 1985 three-round all-out epic fight with, The hitman put on social media earlier on Saturday, as it turns out within a couple of hours or so of Hearns of uh, Hagler's death being announced, that it was related to the COVID-19 vaccine and that he was in the intensive care unit. It further complicates things that uh, Hagler's second wife, Kay, is uh, is not an American citizen, has a little bit of trouble with English, always has. She is the spokesperson here. She originally said that he died close to home or died at home. It turns out that he apparently died at a local hospital. Carlos Toro, what do you make of this? And shouldn't there be somebody that at least clears this up? The wife came out and said it was not because of the vaccine, but also she didn't say whether it was COVID-19 related or not. Carlos, what do you make of all of this with the legend Marvin Hagler's passing?
1: First of all, I do want to make note of the fact, I mean, I was born eight years after his last fight, which was the controversial uh, decision loss to Sugar Ray Leonard. And even no, even then, having never seen him fight uh, during my lifetime and during his prime, it was a death that that shocked me. It saddened me. Uh, it, it really soured on what was supposed to be a great, great Saturday. And as far as the circumstances of his death, it's really hard to make you know, make sense of really anything. It's, there's a lot of mystery surrounding it. It, at least on my end, I would feel somewhat irresponsible to even just speculate and make any wild conspiracy theories on it because there's just not enough information that we know. I don't know if there's going to be, you know, anything further that's going to be out in the public. I assume there, there might but they're probably good. going to be an autopsy in trying to figure out uh, what exactly cost us. But right now it's just a very, very sad Time in boxing. I mean, you talk about Marvelous Marvin Hagler, one of the greatest middleweights of all time, one of the four kings of boxing that ruled the '80s. He has been in so many wars. Obviously, you you mentioned it TJ, the the Thomas Hearns war, one of the greatest fights ever that opened the with first one, with, round.
0: It's the greatest first round of any fight ever. As soon as arguably say, the greatest round ever. Yes, as soon as you say first round, first fight that
1: comes to mind, you immediately think that fight. From yeah, and it's a fight, and I, shortly after it was announced that, that he died, I went back into that fight and replayed that first round multiple times simply because of just how unbelievable it was and the <laughs> incredible warrior spirit that yeah. both these men showed. It was it, it was something that you will probably never see again. Yeah, something like that, especially with no
0: knockdowns. As, as brutal as it was, nobody knocked anybody down in mm-hmm. that opening round epic uh with that. Uh, And I promise we'll move on to happier things and Hagler had such a phenomenal career, but Marquise, he was a private guy, did not want the limelight uh, was never in the media was sometimes at big time fights was sometimes at the international boxing hall of fame, uh, subsequent inductions. He had been inducted in 1993, but he's a guy that kept to himself and kept private. And so that's another part of this. And I I totally get the fact that Carlos, when you were saying this, if the wife doesn't want an autopsy and they want to keep it private. Okay. uh, Fine. Uh, the, only, the only difference in that is if they are portraying that this was somehow sudden, like a heart attack or whatever it mm-hmm. is, and it's actually COVID-19 related, that's news. If it had, I'm saying if, we don't know, if it had been related to the vaccine making him sick, that's news. But again, it's not going to bring Marvin Hagler back. All we have is our memories uh, on that. But Marquise, my point just is he's such a private guy. It, it may be f- never that we find out what truly happened here because the wife doesn't want an autopsy and they wanted to keep to themselves and we just
2: have to accept the fact the legend is gone. Absolutely, TJ. And it's rough because we had to pretty much accept and resp- obviously respect and accept the decision of that for privacy and just for the sake of the nature. But it's one of those mysteries, TJ, that as we all know, as just human nature, we want to know what happened and it'd be, it'd be nice to know. Just that, that, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, uh, and again, the man's legacy, uh, Carlos. I tried not to laugh when you told me that you were born how many years after the Leonard fight? Did you, what'd you say? Eight years. After yes, the eight last years. Leonard fight? And- Make me feel old on this edition of the podcast, <laughs> uh, because you, you got to understand uh, that uh, off of that win over uh, over uh, Hearns, and then the win over Mugabe, and the build up to the Leonard fight. I mean, it was electric. Uh, that fight was Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, every which direction, uh, it was arguably the biggest non-heavyweight fight maybe of the last 25 years, let's say, of the 1900s. It, mm-hmm. it, it was bigger than Hearns and Hagler because it didn't have the same buildup, the buildup of Sugar Ray Leonard fighting him. And the amazing thing, guys, Carlos, you first, is Marvin Hagler lost that night. A couple of months be t- before turning 33 years old, he never fought again. He loses that fight only the third time he lost his entire career and never got a rematch with Leonard and
1: never fought anybody else. Wild. Yeah, I mean, you talk about guys who really stuck to their guns and stuck to retirement. I mean, you, can, you can't you can really say that about a lot of guys, a lot of current modern-day legends uh, today. But, yeah, it's, it, it is one of the biggest shames that we never got to see a rematch between Leonard and, And Hagler and just kind of, again, showcases how impactful he was in the boxing world. I remember my dad would tell me of two fights, almost ad nauseum. One would be the uh, Wilfred Benitez winning the world title in the 1980s at, at the age of 17 in front of his high school classmates. And the other one was... Hagler Hearns it was a fight that he made sure that I would remember blow by blow by watching it so many times and it was and it just showed just how impactful this man was to the sport of boxing I mean he was a guy that he did everything right he was a guy that that lived a clean life physically he was an unbelievable specimen didn't do anything didn't do stuff like heavy weightlifting. it was all hard work road work he was a guy that i mean i, I saw someone on twitter say this and i think it's absolutely true he was your favorite fighter's favorite fighter yeah and he was a menace he was never in trouble out of the ring
0: never had any problems uh that we know of outside of the ring during his career, after his career. Phenomenal fighter. And marquise one more, uh Sh- the Sugar Ray Leonard had this to say uh after the news of his passing that he was so heartbroken uh that he would he would have gladly given Marvin Hagler the decision that he got if Marvin if Marvin could still be here. Uh in fact it, sugar ray I'm paraphrasing an interview said if we could have him back right now he could have the win. He could have all the belts he could have all the championships. Uh, it's just a shame. Life does move on and this is part of life that we all get older and you live long enough and your legends, whether you're talking about Ali or now Hagler or whomever it is, uh, as you get older in life, it, it, it's part of it. So, I mean, that, the 50th anniversary of Muhammad Ali and smoking Joe Frazier was just uh, a couple of weeks ago and both of those guys are gone and are no longer with us as time marches on. But just one more from you, Marquise, about... Uh, the fact that Leonard won that night and there never was a rematch, and so many fighters fight at 35 and 37 and 39. Marvin Hagler was 32, 32 and never fought again.
2: Yeah, TJ, he quit pretty much in his prime. And that decision, in terms of decisions, guys, is that one of the most disputed decisions in the history of all time? Like, you people are still coin flipping if Leonard won that fight or if Hagler right. won that fight. That is just one of those fights that will forever live on. Well, isn't it Still-
0: interesting? You brought up a great segue here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast to what happened with Chocolatito and Juan Francisco Estrada in the super featherweight unification fight the other night, which ended with a controversial decision in a close fight with one of the judges scoring the fight nine rounds to three. Not unlike my lord going all the way back 34 years ago to Leonard Hagler. And in a close fight, one of the judges had it 10-2 for Sugar Ray Leonard. A Mexican judge had it 10-2 in a fight that was probably 7-5 and maybe even 6-6 in rounds. So it is bizarre, and it's the perfect segue here. Judging has got no better. Judging is just as crazy. Judging is just, just as corrupt. Uh, guys, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's uh, Jose Sucre, right, was the judge. Oh, was from? Sucre. The, Carlos Sucre, figures that Carlos would know that it's a Carlos. Carlos (laughs) Sucre was the judge that scored a fight that was neck and neck and probably Chocolatito won nine to three against him. Carlos, your fellow
1: Carlos, what was he watching? Que paso? I will say this, uh, the Carlos camp outright, You know, reject Carlos Sucre's scorecard, I can tell you this much. We outright deny that he he represents all of us, so I just want to get that out of the way. (laughs) Secondly, the bizarreness of this whole of of the judging is just, once again, continues a really bad trend in boxing, is that great fights are often just soured on because of the judging remember Golovkin Canelo one. we remember the infamous Adelaide Bird scorecard as much as what a great fight that was we remember the first Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight and how a lot of people saw Tyson Fury win that one e- even though it ended in a draw so it, it, and more specifically to believe it was Alejandro Rochin's scorecard that was also the one that was most disputed as far as this one this one may be Arguably the most baffling of them all, not because of just the the final scorecard, but the way Carlos Sucre scored it. Like I have right now, the, his scorecard. He scored rounds four, five, and seven for Chocolate Tito, and he just completely missed on some cle- relatively clear rounds for Chocolate Tito. Mainly that twelfth round, which yes, I have. He is the only person I've seen to actually give Estrada. <laughs> that uh, that round it was it was funny i was watching that fight and i saw chocolate tito end that fight so well and i thought that sealed it i mean that 12th round pretty much sealed the win for for chocolate there's no way he's gonna lose estrada's corner is telling him you need a knockout
0: i mean they believed in the final two rounds he was behind and here you have a judge that that had him in the bag by like round 10 that had enough it, rounds banked, That that's crazy. It's crazy. And it wasn't
1: a case where Estrada's corner was trying to wake him up and trying to get him to not to not go conservative. They genuinely thought that fight that fight was was in Chocolatito's favor heading to the championship rounds, which makes this all the more bizarre. As also Estrada didn't even initially believe. Like he was shocked that his name was the one that <laughs> came out uh, uh,
0: as the victor. That's the voice of Carlos Toro. Find him at Carlos Toro Media, by the way, on social media. We love his Inside on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Week Sauce Radio is where you find Marquise Johns, the senior writer of the site. All right, blast away. Uh, you've been blasting away on bad judges on this podcast over and over and over again. Here's the latest uh, ammo. It, it is served up for you. What in the world was nine rounds to three for Estrada? As Carlos said, how do you... I mean, uh, in terms of Chocolatito, he clearly won the 12th. He probably won the 10th and the 11th and the 12th. Probably should have won the fight. He did not lose nine rounds of that fight,
2: Marquise. No, he didn't lose the last round, and I don't think that judge personally may have turned that that, uh, scorecard in probably by the forefront and went to the bathroom or the concession stand for last call (laughs) for the Bud Light because that card was possibly (laughs) one of the worst things we'll put down in in recent memory. But the thing is, TJ and Carlos, it's one of these pink points that's being left out all week long about this. We can all be mad about the main event scorecard being bad. They were bad from the opening bell of the first fight of this, the zone card with Raymond Ford. Mm-hmm. So it's only it. For, honestly, it's kind of anticlimactic. Once you get to the main event, it's like, oh, another crappy scorecard. Well, this all like right. The so we should fight. be
0: clear. Let me interrupt. We should be clear. The Texas Boxing Commission is in charge in Texas, obviously in Dallas for the fight card last week um of the of the undercard fights etc now if it's a world title fight depending on the organizations wba wbc sucre correct is a wba judge and they have now suspended him um and and i don't know if the investigation includes were you wearing a blindfold for the second half of the fight i don't i don't know but in terms of the card being bad top to bottom that would be the texas boxing commission their selection of judges And then the organizations also put forward for the world title fights, judges they want. So you had like a whole Halloween candy bag full of reasons why it was bad. Judging is my point, Marquise, on that finish up.
2: Yeah, TJ, you can pretty much point a a fight card at a dartboard on that fight card Saturday night. And you're you're guaranteed to get that one judge with these awful scorecards. And that 118-110 was right up there. It's it's bad, TJ. Should we? we
0: Should we go back to the old school where the referee had a, a voice in this and was one of the judges? That used to go on all the time. Should we start trying that some more where the third man in the ring that's right there should get a nod on
1: scoring the fight? It used to
0: be that way. What do we say? They, Carlos, they still... Carlos,
1: Marquis first, Carlos. I will say this. It's a it, it's a little weird, especially when you're talking about a world championship fight. It's still a thing, it's still a practice in the UK when it comes to you know, undercard fighters, fighters in six, eight rounders that aren't for for a title, it's still a practice. And more often than not, I don't really see any controversy when it comes to the UK and the referees being the judges. But it it, it is a little bit weird if you get the judge to uh, if you get the uh, the referee to also be a judge. Obviously, I li- We are living in an era where that's not a common practice in world title fights. So maybe there maybe there is something that you can do. But the problem here is that. It doesn't matter, you know, if you get an experienced referee uh, to to be a judge or you add more judges to to title fights. There is a fundamental problem with the way we score fights. And there's a fundamental problem with how we select the judges.
0: Real quick, give me something they should change, Carlos, you first and Marquise. Fundamentally,
1: what should be different that they don't do? I would get rid of the judges having to look up. At the ring when they're when they're watching a fight, I don't like the angle that they're given. Basically, on the ring, I love the idea of putting these guys at a slightly higher elevation. Watch the fight from eye level. I think you can get a much better vantage point instead of having to look up, uh, you know, for for twelve rounds and messing up your neck, and then having to go ask for get a chiropractor the following week. So, I think eye level. I think you, that you can do a lot better or at least you can have a more concise way of watching a fight. If you're almost like a, like a tennis judge, when you're, when you're high up and you're at eye level or just slightly above eye level where the ring is, I think that's something that should be experimented a lot more.
0: Great point on that. Marquise, if something should be done, what should it be? And, and I have a suggestion, but I wonder what your thought just is. If you could change something to help improve it, what would it be Marquise Johns?
2: At this point, TJ, after years and generations of crappy scorecards, bring on the robots. I mean, Carlos brought up a great point with the tennis judges (laughs) where they, at least when they review, you know, balls going in and out, they have an automatic system, you know, showing the line. At this point, bring on Judge Bot because they can't do any more worse than any of this stuff that's going on now. And I'm, I'm, I'm a favor of the judges still doing it at ringside for a smaller fight. I just don't think, because at, at some point, TJ, we all know how this works with boxing. There's going to be that one corrupt referee in these fights that's going to be the one that's going to be the whistleblower. So I, that's.
0: Well, the theory is if he's a bad judge as the referee, there are two other votes that can outvote him. That was always the. That was always the rub there with having three guys that are there. The one thing that that just absolutely drives me bonkers is we have all this technology. Mm-hmm. We have uh, replays that are going on in the arena at most of the big fights, slow-mo replays, et cetera. But the judges still from the world boxing organizations all over the globe don't have access to punch stats, round by round punch stats, where I'm sitting and judging a fight. Like Carlos said, I'm looking up the entire time for three rounds, and maybe I don't realize that Chocolatito literally landed 58 punches in the final round of the fight and outlanded Estrada in this world super flyweight title by like 15 or 18 punches in the last round that he lost on two of the three judges' cards. He <laughs> lost. So I think the punch stats might be part of that. I, I think that might help. We'll go rack around the room one more time, Marquise, yes. Shouldn't it's 2021, babe. Shouldn't they be
2: accessing that? We, You know, TJ, it would be great. It's a great theory, but remember when they had that replay for that uh, uh, Joshua Franco-Andrew Maloney fight, and it took them 45 minutes to work a VCR and, 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 a, and a remote? So I'm <laughs> I'm willing to avoid all of that again as well. As I said before, TJ, just, just bring on the robots at this point. Airfields is automated in this country.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Carlos, would it help to have punch stat data in real time in between rounds to help judges? I don't see
1: how it doesn't help them. I think that if you give them to this current crop of judges that we got, they will either completely ignore it or they will go by too much into it. I think we need to, from the ground up, I think if we're going to introduce punches as to judging, I think it has to be starting with training a new generation of, of judges. With, and let's be honest, this is a sport that is very, very uh, stubborn when it comes to bringing in, a new element or bring in a younger generation of officials or a fight fans or, or if anything. So if you're to introduce that, it has to be starting out with training and bringing in some new, younger, fresher faces, new eyes to, to scoring fights. I think it's a great point that you make.
0: They're very protective. They're very territorial um and and a lot of the same judges end up working a lot of the a lot of the fights and screwing them up and are still around and are still employed so that's another good point on that front and again uh just real quick comment on uh on the on the other uh components of that do we I want to see a third one now between these two guys we waited eight years for the rematch and it's a controversial decision I want to I want to replay I want it back for Chocolatito it was a great action-packed fight and Estrada I see Carlos nodding because I can see you. Marquise, <laughs> I see
2: you. N- yes, Marquise. We should do this yes. a third time. Should we not? You know what, TJ? Not only will they do it a third time, I, I, think, I think it's all but a done deal at this point. I think they're just waiting at this point for the winner of this mandatory. Well, the WBC ordered this fight. We'll see how long that holds up against uh, uh, uh Sorongasai uh, taking on uh, Estrada again for the third time. So the winner of that third fight will take on Chocolatito more than likely once it's all said and done.
0: And what's interesting too, Carlos, we get to you in a second Sorung Visai beat Chocolatito twice, but Estrada beat uh, Sorung Visai. So you got to prove something with Chocolatito first, and then Sorung Visai sorts out with the winner. This is a disputed winner. That's my thought. You want to see this a third time? I got to believe yes, Carlos, between Chocolatito and Estrada
1: absolutely I would love to see chocolate and estrada go out it a, a third time and and trust me I would love for this to happen tomorrow if if I had if I had the power to do some both guys were able and willing to but I mean don't sleep on the Visay Estrada trilogy because that is going to be if and when it does get made it's going to be another really really good fight I think that Visay learned from his really dumb mistakes in in the rematch and trying to go orthodox for that entire first half when he shouldn't have and I think we're gonna see the Visay that we saw in the first fight against Estrada and I think it's gonna be another classic war which will make it three straight wars for Estrada Quadras last year Tito this past weekend and now still run side with the possibility of a third Tito fight in
0: the future very interesting all right it was very exciting last weekend for sure guys stand by we have got more on the way we're going to preview the fight cards this weekend including an action-packed knockout welterweight Virgil Ortiz in the main event of the DAZN show that's going on this weekend we mentioned Archer Betterviev will be in action as well the light heavyweight uh, unified world champ is in action in Russia this weekend we'll discuss it all as we rock along on the Big Fight Weekend podcast It's that time of the year, again, the craziest month with all of the action in March Madness. Bubble teams are making their final push for a conference tournament, berth, for an automatic bid or maybe an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, putting new customers in the center of the action by betting $4 on an underdog to win $256 if they win. It's that simple. Again, the bet is just 4 bucks on an underdog in a select college basketball game. And if they win, you collect $256. The bank is open. There's no better way to enjoy all the college basketball action And put your knowledge to the test. Put your money where your mouth is and do it with DraftKings Sportsbook. And don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on things like golf, hockey, and so much more. DraftKings is secure, safe, reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your own convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code SGP when you sign up and turn $4 on an underdog into $256 if they pull off the upset. The code is SGP to turn $4 into $256. It's for a limited time only. And only a DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Other restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for more details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-NINE-WITH-IT. And we're brought to you in part by BetQL. If you're looking to get an edge and make smarter bets during March Madness, BetQL's algorithm scan thousands of data points across every game and find the best bets for you. It's easily the most profitable best bets placed on their top betting trends. Now, your bracket may bust, But your bankroll doesn't have to if you go over to BetQL.com and get started today. Go to the App Store, go to the Google Play Store, download BetQL, and bet smarter, not harder. And we'll make it worth your while. Use the promo code MARCH30 and get 30% off of BetQL for a year. That's BetQL.com and the promo code is MARCH30 for you to get 30% off for the entire year with BetQL. We are also brought to you by PicksWise.com. It's held by a team of trend-watching, data-devouring sports fanatic wise guys who are giving you the who, the how, and the why behind every prediction on every game, every day, in every sport. And guess what? It's all for free. And PixWise has the capper contest to follow with the likes of John Rothstein, Rashad Phillips, Jeff Nadu, and six other experts all competing for ten grand in a winner-takes-all prize. You can follow all the action and the free picks and analysis every day for the big dance by visiting PicksWise.com slash March Madness. That's PicksWise.com slash March Madness. And we're brought to you in part by Better Vegas. It's like YouTube, but for what DGENs only care about, sports betting. Better Than.Vegas is running a free bracket-style capper contest with a chance to win $5,500. Just go to Better Vegas and don't forget to let them know that SGP sent you. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV also and subscribe to the Better Than Vegas, Better Than Dot Vegas page. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV for Better Than Dot Vegas. We're also brought to you in part by Better Edge, the stock exchange for sports bets that allows you to buy and sell betting positions live like the stock market. And the best part is it allows you to bet with no vig since you're buying positions from other sports betters, and there is no house. You can play for money in 40 states and they're doing weekly college basketball contests right now. We're talking tons of hoops from here on out here on 3Dog Thursday. And on Wednesday and Saturday, pay 10 bucks to enter and each user starts with a balance of of $1,000 in Edge coins to wager on the games. The player with the highest earnings takes the entire pool of entry fees. It's like a battle royal winner take all. Find the link under the competitions tab to get in for just $10. Sign up today at BetterEdge.com. Use our promo code SGP. Get that free $10 bet as well. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-Edge.com. Promo code SGP. S-G-P. We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, T.J. Reeves. Yes, indeed. Back once more with our guest, Marquis Johnson, senior writer BigFightWeekend.com. Love him. Read him. Check him out. Hear him all the time on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Carlos Toro is here as well. Great boxing insight. Love his written work. Love his online work uh, as well. Find him under Carlos Toro Media. He's on YouTube as well as Uh, Twitter, uh, et cetera, talking the sweet science. He's been doing so with us. All right, guys, we've got three different fight cards of interest again, with the full understanding that in the United States, it is March madness, every which direction there are actually some afternoon fights, U S time from Russia, from England. And then there is the primetime DAZN show that will be coming uh, once again, involving Virgil Ortiz and uh, Mo hooker, uh, that will be going from Texas on Saturday night. So, Marquise, let's begin right here. Uh, let's let's start with the WBO light heavyweight championship fight. Actually, it's the unification uh, title fight, not the uh, the WBO, but actually the W what B A and the WBC versions of the one hundred seventy five pound title. If I have that right, Artur Beterbiev against a little-known opponent, Adam Dines is his name. Delayed fight for several months because of COVID-19. Tell me more. How interested should we be in this one Saturday afternoon? I, I would, but, what do you interject real quick? Is the
1: WBC and IBF titles.
0: Thank you for the correction, Carlos. Somebody's got to keep me in the middle of the road. <laughs> uh, what about it, uh, Marquis here? Unified champ against a little-known contender fighting in his home country, Russia. Am I correct? Both fighters have had COVID-19 in this. I believe they both have. To delay this, or at least Better B.F. did. What about this?
2: I think Better B.F. had it, and I think uh, Adam den- denies couldn't get uh, a visa clearance because of it because it was stuck in Russia. So this fight's been delayed for a long time, and I, I wish it was still delayed, TJ. I-, I complain on this podcast all the time about IBF mandatories every single chance I get, and this is another one of those that shouldn't happen. The guy at- offer Better B.F. is facing TJ is facing and Adam denies is the guy who lost to the guy who was the, the original mandatory opponent in fang Mei long, but that fight got scrapped due to, to uh, offer better be religious reasons before the pandemic hit. So that fight wasn't going to happen one way or another. So instead we get the <laughs> next, not, and the only thing worse TJ than the first best mandatory by the IBF is the second best. And that's what we got going on with this one. So. My man,
0: Carlos Toro has been on the launching pad, waiting to try out his comedic material. What say you about this better BF
1: unified title defense? If you thought Canelo Alvarez versus Avni Yildirim was a mismatch for the ages, let me tell you something. This is worse. (laughs) This is worse. (laughs) Mung Fane Long is probably more suited to be on the Avni Yildirim level. And I like uh, uh, Mung Fane Long, but Adam Danis, look, I don't like Raggon guys, but this is a man who lost a title eliminator at the IBF convention a couple of years ago. And he hasn't fought since. So he's been waiting wow. in the wings for just to get to get a fight and then it just so happens COVID-19 you know actually gave him the opportunity because Mung Feng Long was supposed to be the original opponent and obviously the travel issues that COVID-19 uh gave him prevented that fight from happening it's just a it's just a really really weird stay busy fight that uh That really has been keeping us in the dark and keeping us waiting for a long, long time. The interesting
0: thing is that Better Bev is Russian, but he lives in Quebec in in Canada and has never fought uh, a professional fight in Russia yet. This one will be in Russia. Uh, Why am I channeling my inner Rocky from Rocky Four? The fights in Russia. (laughs) Uh, the fights in russia all right it'll be a it nice is a homecoming, bit of a homecoming but- so something to watch but carlos says not much to see here in, in terms of the opponent and marquise you're saying the same thing although marquise give me some insight because this seems like it was eons ago but it was actually about a year and a half ago you were there in attendance when better BF captured the unified version of the title fill me in a little more this will be his first fight since then
2: yeah, TJ, well, I'm looking forward to seeing that part of it because when I was up there in Philadelphia to see him against uh, uh Govadzik, it was absolute slugfest for about six rounds until he stopped him. And I expect more of the same with this guy. And keep in mind, guys, we all know uh, better be of getting up there in age. And mm-hmm. at 175, there isn't much going on outside of uh, Dimitri Bevel uh, and, and, and about two other names. Some, that name, one of
1: them being Gilberto
2: Romero still in 2021. So take it for what it's worth. And as Carlos mentioned before, this is definitely a stay busy to keep this man busy.
1: And, and right. he's been also, and he's been ravaged by injuries, COVID-19, the long wait between fights certainly has not helped. This is, you know, it, it'll be a good way for him to shake up the cobwebs a little bit, but he needs a big fight soon because it, he's 33 years old, but it's not a young, fresh 33 years old. He's going, he's, he, he's gotten a little bit of mileage and the injuries certainly do not help. Well, and keep in mind again uh,
0: that there are other champions. Dimitri Bavol is one. Uh, also, Joe Smith Jr. is going to fight for the vacant WBO title. That fight was now officially announced. Uh, late this week that's coming in April that could be another opponent they're both top-ranked guys we'll mm-hmm. see what happens we have probably devoted more time to better Biev and Dinas than the actual fight will go uh, here on the big <laughs> fight weekend podcast so that means it's time to move along uh, we also have a Dezone show on uh, primetime in England uh, Saturday afternoon in the United States and it is a WBO cruiserweight uh, title uh, fight Marquise, fill me in a little bit here Christoph Glowacki is in action and what do we make of the opponent uh, here in this one what do we know about lawrence okoli that is the opponent they're fighting at the wembley arena saturday afternoon u.s time what do we make of this marquise and then carlos
2: TJ, this fight can be a one of two ways. It's going to either be a quick stoppage or 12 of the most boring rounds of boxing known to man this year because Lawrence O'Cole fights are exactly as advertised. They've been and those who challenge British boxing fighters uh, in terms of boredom. Uh, he's right up there, TJ, on the, on the level of Demetrius Andrade, honestly. Uh, Gwaki, as we, everyone last saw, was, and possibly TJ, as I remember you, the worst referee fight in the world in that World Boxing Super Series against Martin Brady, where Robert Burt missed the bell, you know, the, the sound that. He's has to listen for for his job he missed it yeah and now all that happened so this is a rebound for him to come but the third t- time of, of t- third time of winning this uh wbo uh, white cruiserweight to belt, clear actually. it up
0: if i'm correct and carlos correct me if i'm wrong what happened is glowacki landed a punch it was after the bell the referee called it a knockout called it over and britas couldn't continue and then they ended up overruling it and calling it a disqualification do i have some of that most of that or all of that correct
1: on what happened and how he got DQ'd and how he's not the champ. So if I remember correctly, there was, there was, in the second round, there was the issue of both guys hitting after the bell. And then once the bell sounded, uh, Robert Byrd didn't, apparently didn't listen to it, even though it was clear as day that you could hear the bell and both kept punching each other. And I think it was Golovanski that got dropped after the bell. And then they did nothing about it. And they did, I believe they, did me 30 seconds of the third round before Glowaki got stopped, even though that if we're being honest, I believe that if we're going, what should be the right thing to do? It should have been a Glowaki win by dis- disqualification or at the very least replayed the fight or it should be a no contest due to rubber bird incompetency. But. It's boxing, and so here we are, and now Glowaki gets
0: his chance. Do we know anything about Lawrence O'Coley and his chances, or is this should, should this be Glowaki winning easily and becoming the WBO champ again? Anybody got an opinion on that? Marquise?
2: This should be TJ one of those dull points decision fights where he's just going to sit and counter Glowaki to death, and we get to sit and watch, hopefully, before the paint dries over 12 rounds. It'll be one of those kind of fights.
1: Carlos? It's a – I would not necessarily discount Golovsky, his chances, but the problem is, like what we were discussing with Artur Berberbia, he is a guy who is past his prime physically, has a lot of mileage, has undergone a lengthy, lengthy absence from the ring. He's been under a lot, a lot of wars. I think if there's a time for Lawrence Okoli to show up and really, really put this guy figuratively into a retirement home, it should be now, because right now, this is the perfect opportunity for Lorenzo Coley to showcase his power, which is still very, very good in a still pretty decent Cruiserweight division. But yeah, it's uh, it could either go one of two ways, like Marquis was saying. It'll either be a stoppage or it's going to be a long, drawn-out decision. And, of course, uh, Alexander Usyk
0: was the former undisputed cruiserweight champion and vacated all those belts to move up to heavyweight about a year and a half ago. And so these are fighters fighting for the vacated belts along the way. All right. We do know there will be entertainment as you hear from Carlos Toro. That was his voice, Carlos Toro Media. Love his insight. Few more moments. Also with Marquise John, senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com. All right. So what will be interesting is Virgil Ortiz and Mo Hooker. That is coming on a Saturday evening in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, again, DeZone staying in the greater Dallas-Fort Worth area after the fights last weekend in Big D at the uh, Mavericks and Dallas Stars Arena. So uh, this is interesting here because Ortiz is a, uh, is a up-and-coming, uh, unbeaten welterweight, uh, knockout power hooker, a former junior welterweight world champion. Uh, Carlos, we'll begin with you real quick. How intrigued
1: are you here? I'm extremely intrigued. I mean, Mar- Maurice Hooker is fighting at a weight that I think is best suited for him. One for- 140 pounds was getting to be a little hard for him, especially late into his title run. And he's going up against a guy in Virgil Ortiz Jr. Who, if you guys haven't seen him, I highly recommend check out highlights. And because this guy is, along with Jerron N, is the future of the welterweight division. These guys are incredible, very powerful, very fast. Have developed probably a lot faster than most top prospects, you know, throughout the the career. He's only 16 fights into his broker and already facing a credible world champion. And this is the type of opponent that is best suited for Virgil Ortiz. Maurice Sucker is a guy that has the capability of checking Virgil Ortiz's chin, but he is a little bit susceptible to fighting on the inside. He's been dropped a couple of times, and Virgil Ortiz Jr. is someone who will smother opponents with a lot of inside fighting, a lot of pressure. We saw that at times when he fought Samuel Vargas in the last timeout last year. He was a guy that that Virgil Ortiz had no problem giving, Getting, pretty much giving him those hands from the opening bell. Sure, this will be a very very good fight. I think Virgil Ortiz is going to show us how good he is going up against upper echelon competition because right now he's been facing veterans, he's been facing gatekeepers, but you can't really say that about Maurice Sucker, a guy who his only loss, like his only like big loss was to Jose Ramirez, who by the end of in a, in a couple of months' time is going to be the could be the undisputed junior welterweight champion.
0: Yeah, no shame in that. And that fight was more than a year and a half ago. Ortiz, 16 consecutive knockouts to start his career. Fair to say, though, this is the biggest test to date, as Carlos was just laying out. And I know for our friends at the Sports Gambling Podcast, their uh, website, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, they love when we get into the odds. It It is big time in the favor of Ortiz here in this one as you're looking at the odds, Marquise, for this fight right on Saturday night.
2: Absolutely. TJ uh, Virgil Ortiz, big favorite uh, minus 1100 to uh, put any money down on him. So he's wow. expected to win this fight and win this fight easily. That's why I think honestly, TJ, it's interesting because I think Hooker has a bigger chance than people are giving out to him. And he's the mm-hmm. underdog in this at plus five twenty five. I think at this point, because as Carlos mentioned, this is the perfect size for Hooker uh, in terms of weight wise and just fighting. And he fought before on the. Uh, on the very so not mentioned not to be mentioned uh Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. Daniel Jacobs card in the opener at (laughs) World before (laughs) in in a one-round uh uh, late replacement match but so he's he's going to try this out again to get get his name back in the mix of everything also intriguing TJ as you well know as I wrote for bigfightweekend.com this week the winner of this fight pretty much is going to be eyeing uh in some way or capacity that WBO belt currently held by Terrence Crawford uh, Maurice Hooker uh, in the camp of uh, Brian McIntyre, BOMAC, with Terrence Crawford, Jamel Herring, and the gang over in Omaha. Uh, they'll probably be ringside for this fight because why wouldn't they be? So we'll see if that all plays out. And with Ortiz currently ranked number two in the WBO, um, and this is for a WBO Intercontinental, whatever title. Uh, <laughs> the, don't be surprised if <laughs> international title. The, the international,
0: the intercontinental. The uh, International House of Pancakes. We're not sure what it is, <laughs> but it's for something. And Hooker again, as uh, Carlos said, 27-1 and three draws and does have 18 mm-hmm. knockouts. What, is the under over still the typical 10 and a half rounds? Is it a little lower because, again, Ortiz has 16 consecutive KOs to start his career? What, is the, uh, what do we got for an under over if we have one?
2: In fact, we don't have one TJ. It's off the board for the under over. And that's because the last few fights of Virgil Ortiz has been knocking guys out in under six rounds. So I expect to be the same process considering that hookers coming off his blast loss against Jose Ramirez was in the sixth round in that cage match. So I expect if you you can find any prop round odds, uh, take something in the middle rounds above six.
0: All right, and Marquise, I always tee you up for this. Uh, Is there a fight on the undercard of the DAZN show or some other obscure fight fighter that we are not talking enough about that you want to mention real quick before we're gone?
2: In fact, TJ, I think we should have actually. The co-main event of this, TJ, uh, as you know, you and Carlos as well, uh, uh, our our friend uh, Sinisa Estrada is the co-main event against Annabelle Ortiz. Uh, Estrada, TJ, as you know, well-known, during the pandemic, was in that fight that lasted all of six seconds against Miranda (laughs) Atkins. You can, you can watch that clip all all over the place. And I'm looking forward to seeing her this time against Annabelle Ortiz in a real fight for an actual title for the minimum weight title as well.
0: All right. And uh, again, that, that fight was known much more for the controversy of the opponent. I don't know what will happen between Estrada and Ortiz, the two females. I do have a feeling it will take more than seven seconds, whatever it is. That happens in that ring. Uh, Carlos, anything else that intrigues you that we left out for the weekend fighter or fight on any of these cards? The DAZN Texas show, the DAZN London show, the ESPN, uh, ESPN Plus better
1: be a fight from Russia or any of that. Uh, I- anything else? I, I was actually, you mentioned the Annabelle Ortiz and Sydney Toronto fight because I think overall this is, a fight that has been largely not forgotten, but it's been under highlighted at times because this has been such a great month for women's boxing. We've had to go over the Clover's Shield pay per view, we have on Ring City USA uh, um, Marisa La Cornejo versus Alma Ibarra, we got Amanda Serrano coming up, we, we just had Jessica McCaskill. It's been a loaded month for women's boxing. I think that's a fight that has been under the radar. And I think that's going to be a very good fight. I would not be surprised if this ends up being maybe the best fight uh, of the undercard or the very the best non main event fight uh, of the weekend. That's how good I think this fight is on paper.
0: I love it. we got to get out of here in a moment on the podcast.
1: We should mention
0: Jessica McCaskill win again in the rematch over Cecilia Braque, who's basically retiring who She's now beaten her twice. Amazing that who's dominated the women's world welterweight division, a single division for 10 years, won 25 straight fights. I guess there can be some criticism about her level of competition because the younger McCaskill comes in and beats her the first time convincingly and really beat her convincingly again the other night and unlike the main event she got the decision she got the cards uh for winning that one and so uh break who's at 39 i don't know that uh that she's going to be that much more relevant down the road after what mccaskill was able to do so interesting on all of that we must depart here shortly uh carlos where can we read you where can we find you promote away your social media all through the weekend uh if if fans are
1: interested how do they find out more about you sir you can find me on Twitter at Carlos Toro Media. Same name on YouTube where I do a bunch of interviews with fighters from all different levels. Just this month alone, we've had Regis Progress. I've had Joe Ward, La Cornejo, who I just mentioned is on Ring City USA. We've had a lot of different guys coming in for, for interviews. I actually just pointed out we had, I believe, 20 fighter interview videos this year alone. That's almost two a week. And also, Eric Eric El Terrible Morales, uh, who I got to speak for a few minutes uh, regarding his fighter, how, Angel Fierro. How cool was that? How cool was that to get to speak to Eric Morales? It, w- it was amazing. It was very unexpected. I was not expecting to sort of have that chance. And then I kind of got an alert about an hour beforehand asking, hey, do you want to join it and talk to Eric Morales? I'm like, absolutely, I'm going to talk you to him. Are you serious? Are you asking me seriously? Not even do I want to talk
0: to Eric Morales, the great champion? <laughs> of course.
1: Yeah, so you can also f- read my work at, at carlostormedia.com, and on Twitter, I will have something very, very special soon as far as writing uh, projects are concerned in boxing, so be on the lookout for that. And I also do a podcast uh, on the Fight Game Media Patreon alongside Robert Silla, who Marquis and I know. very. We also uh, shoot the you-know-what regarding a lot of different topics of, of boxing, so... Yeah, and by the way, listeners, go listen to TJ and Marquise. They These guys also know their stuff. Very, very entertaining, and they are one of the few podcasts in boxing that I still listen to uh, on a regular basis. <laughs> we appreciate that compliment. Yeah. And plug again your podcast on Patreon, and plug again on where they can find it and how they can find it. So on Patreon, it is the the fight game media network and there it's okay. not just for for boxing it's very wrestling heavy from interviews with the with the great wrestling journalist uh dave Meltzer, tons okay. of great mma podcasts even some for for you aw fans there's a couple of podcasts uh mma wise with former AEW champion john moxley how about that all right to find everything carlos toro media carlos
0: toro follow him at carlos toro media uh the youtube page the same way we love it. Great job. Much love to you, my friend. Great job here on the podcast on Big Fight Weekend with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me in. As, as TJ and Marquis Notes. I'm always available, and it's always great to talk boxing with you guys. Love it. Uh, weak sauce, plug away
0: for yourself for BigFightWeekend.com. Go.
2: Absolutely, TJ. Uh, over the weekend, if you guys are watching the uh, March Madness in the States here, uh, check out bigfightweekend.com in between the halftime reports uh, when, you're, when you're ripping your, your March Madness bracket, like I will be probably by <laughs> Saturday afternoon. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter covering the fights during all this fun madness at Week Sauce Radio. Also follow the, the, the Twitter uh, handle Big Fight Weekend as well. We post all the boxing news stories up there as well. I want to leave on, on this note, TJ. Uh, before we start BigFightWeekend.com, Fight uh, Caleb Plant became the IBF champion, and on the undercard was a uh, 39 year old. Old Alan, Alan Green, uh, who followed Nicole Main, uh, actually on, on the undercard of the FS1 prelims. He's still fighting TJ, and he's fighting later on this year at age 41. He told me that uh, personally, and I, you can find that story as well at bigfightweekend.com, amongst other things.
0: Again, we talked about the late Marvin Hagler not fighting after the age of 32, and guys now traditionally will go on into their late 30s, 40, 41 years of age. uh It's incredible because the money is still out there and they're chasing the money, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see how that goes again. Weak sauce. Great job. Thank you. Carlos Toro. Thank you. Uh, Again, we understand fully the March madness in full swing, but there are three different championship. Well, two different world championship fights and then Virgil Ortiz, is it going to be 17 knockouts in a row for this welterweight rising contender out of California? And does he get in the way of Terrence Crawford or another world championship uh, title fight somewhere later in 21 or 2022? Let's find out what happens with Ortiz in the main event for DAZN in Fort Worth, Texas, coming uh, up on Saturday night. For now, we are done. Again, follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Find us on the website, bigfightweekend.com. Thanks again to our partner, sportsgamblingpodcast.com, the SBG, the SGP Network of Shows, Sports Gambling Podcast Network of Shows. Thank you to Sean Green, Ryan Kramer, all the guys with the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. We are done for now. Enjoy the fights next weekend. The Russian Pavetkin against Dillian White in the heavyweight contender main event. That'll be a big fight that we're talking about for now. We got all these other fights this weekend and we're done on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Bye.